back in 2018, there was a woman that went to her doctor and she was complaining. She said, my contacts in my eyes keep falling out and I don't know how to get them to stay. Um, I just, I can't see any better. I need to make sure my contacts work. Well, they did some tests on her and found out that she had made a slight mistake, a big mistake actually. She kept putting contacts in her eyes, but her contacts were not falling out. They were sliding behind her eye. And when they did the surgery, she had 27 contact lenses in the back of her eye, none of which helped her to see any better. Ouch. Sight is important. We all need to be very careful what we look at and what we discern through what we see. I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. I don't think I've ever preached on this text in all of my years here at Antioch, because it's a tough text to preach on. The only way you'll really understand it is if you recognize it as the meat in a sandwich. You've got to look at the text before it and the text behind it. Uh, the text before it in Mark chapter 8 talks about Jesus speaking to his disciples about watching out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And he says to them, look, uh, it's not bread that you're thinking of. It's the teaching, false teaching that you've got to look out for. And he says, do you still not understand? So when we talk about spiritual sight, we're talking about understanding. God wants his children to understand who he is, how he works, and how we should behave in this world. So we want to answer this question today. How does Jesus open our eyes? Or you can say it like this. How do we grow in our spiritual understanding? God does not want us to stay uh, the same spiritual age our whole lives. He wants us to grow. Let's read the text first, and then we'll dive in a little bit. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 and following. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. The first thing I want you to see in this text is the problem. There's a blind man. And secondly, I want you to see the compassion of his friends or the people that helped him. Notice what happens here. He didn't come to Jesus on his own. He had some people that took him to Jesus. He doesn't say a word to Jesus, but the people cared enough about him that they begged Jesus to touch the man's eyes. Some commentators think that this man was not born blind. Like in John chapter 9, it says that person was born blind, but perhaps he had an accident or something happened in his life uh, that he was able to see at one point, uh, but was no longer able to see. We see that later in the text because he saw what looked like trees walking around. How would he know what a tree looked like uh, if he had no, ever seen, not ever seen one? So the first thing I want you to see, it's people cared enough about him to help him see. In the same way, Christians should care enough about those that don't see so that we should help them to see. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 9, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. So we want to gain spiritual insight. We want to have spiritual understanding. In other words, we want to grow in our faith. Get deeper, more mature in our faith. So when we look at this text of Scripture, the first thing we see is these friends take this man to Jesus. Here's the first point on your outline. 
when we talk to Jesus. Our eyes get opened when we talk to Jesus. Now, I want you to look at this. It seems like a verse you just kind of skip over, but there's a lot in it. Verse 23. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Okay, we read it. Let's go on to the next one. No, we've got to stop a minute. Remember, the concentration on Scripture is very important. Jesus takes this man by the hand. That's a, that's a touch of tenderness. There's compassion involved in that phrase. And he leads him away from people outside the village. So what we can read from this text is that we don't have to do all of our spiritual activity for people to see. Most of us, we fall into a trap that we've got to tell people how smart we are, how spiritual we are. Uh, We fall into the trap of doing our spiritual stuff before the eyes of men. Jesus could have done a miracle here and everybody could have said, wow, what an amazing Savior, as he had done in other texts. But here's the Son of God saying, you know what? In this instance, we're going to separate you from the crowd. It's time to get away because this is going to be a little different. Jesus reserves the right to heal as he wishes. He deserves the right to do his work in the way that he wants to. We can't put him in a box. He's God, we're not. And what he says, because of your circumstances, I'm going to take you away so nobody can see. And what you see happening here is Jesus working in a person's life, and it may not be your life. Some of us say, well, you know, if Jesus loved me, he'd touch me. But he's touching somebody else right now, therefore he's not touching me. So I'm going to be upset and I'm going to pout or whatever. God knows what your situation is. He touches us each individual times in individual ways. Here he chooses to take somebody away outside so people can't see. And they're going to have a discussion. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. Sometimes God will put you in a situation where you have to be alone with him. You ever been sick on a bed? You're all alone. There are a lot of people in this pandemic that have been all alone. It doesn't have to be sickness. Perhaps you don't have any money and you can't go anywhere. That's a chance for you to be alone while everybody kind of goes in a different direction. Don't waste the alone times. It's in the alone times that Jesus may be wanting to have a conversation with you. So don't waste those opportunities. Don't be upset, I can't go in here because I don't have any money. I, don't, I can't go in here because I'm sick. Those are the times when Jesus may want to have a conversation with you. But if you're closed, uh, you're cutting off that conversation with him. I remember many years ago, I read a story about a, a young man that was in a war, time of war, was sent to a concentration camp. And he was angry. He was a Christian. He was upset. He said, God, in this concentration camp, I can't pray. I can't read my Bible. I can't do anything. This isn't fair. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate my circumstance. You ever, you ever been there? You ever gotten to the place where you say, I hate my circumstances. God, don't you care? So he said, God, all, I, all I'm asking God is that you help me to pray. And then the worst thing possible could happen. You know what? He, he, was, he was given latrine duty in the concentration camp. Oh, happy day. Thank you for answering my prayer, Lord. And, and the first thing you think of is, man, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But when he went to latrines, he found something out. Nobody wanted to go there. The guards didn't want to go there. And he had to spend time there alone. And then it dawned on him, huh, I've been praying to spend time with God. It's not what I would have chosen, but it's what the Lord has chosen. And he had uninterrupted times of prayer and fellowship with the Lord. Now, it's not an air-conditioned prayer room that we would all like. But 
in life, do you ever have those opportunities all the time? Sometimes you're going to be alone in bed wondering where God is when God's saying, I put you here, let's have a talk. When we're mad, we miss it. He takes this guy outside the village because he wants to have alone time with the man that's blind. The guy might be saying, because he didn't talk, his friends brought him, the guy might be upset about his lot in life. And Jesus takes him away and says, look, I know your lot in life. I know what's going on in your life. Trust me. I'm going to take you away so we can have a conversation. You know, you know I'm, I'm a Yankee, grew up in Pennsylvania. I don't know much about Southern Gospel songs, but those of you that remember the old red hymn book, Just a Little Talk with Jesus. Remember that song? Some of you sing it with vigor. That's the principle here. Just a little talk with Jesus. And he'll make it right. Don't miss the talk with Jesus because you're upset about the circumstances that you're facing. Okay? So our eyes are open first when we can just have time with Jesus or a talk with Jesus. Point number two. Our eyes are open when we're touched by Jesus. Now here we come to the meat of this text and it it demands some explanation. These are unusual words and if you look at them the first time, it's going to seem like Jesus doesn't care or that Jesus is messing up. Let's look at it. Verse 23. When Jesus had spit on the man's eyes, you know, just to stop there for a second, I've never seen any of the televangelists do this. And aren't you glad? You know, have these healing rallies and I've never seen anybody come to the front and they say, okay, we're going to spit on your eyes. I don't know that I would volunteer for that. I'm quite confident that I would not. Um, Don't ask me to do it because it's just different, okay? Uh, We'll we'll talk about that more in just a minute, but when he had spit on the man's eyes and he put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, did you ever notice in Scripture that when Jesus does a miracle, he doesn't always do it in the same way? And aren't you glad? Sometimes we'll think, if I just say this little mantra, if I just say these words, then Allah, God has to move on my behalf. But God touches people differently because he's God and we're not. And your situation requires a different solution than my situation. And what Jesus does here, you can kind of see now why he's pulling them away from the crowd. Could you imagine what had happened if Jesus had him in front of all these people and Jesus spits on the guy's eyes? There are some commentators that say that was a, a form of medicine being practiced by pagans in that time. That Jesus would be mimicking them. But just from a rudeness perspective, could you imagine the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, spitting on somebody's eyes in front of a bunch of people? Surely there would be a reaction. There's always a reaction. When we disagree with what we see. I love the way John Calvin, the great commentator several hundred years ago, says about this time. As to why Jesus abandoned his usual method of instantaneous healing, Calvin says, He did so most probably for the purpose of proving, in the case of this man, that he had full liberty as a method of proceeding and was not restricted to a fixed rule. I love this. And so the grace of Christ, which had formerly been poured out on others, suddenly... On this man flowed by drops. And that, that's just amazing. God suddenly healed others, but in this case, he flowed by drops. Progressively, in stages. Do you know God doesn't always fix our problems like that? 
If he did, you know what we'd do? Thank you, Lord, and we'd go on to the next thing. And like the, the ten lepers, nine would not come back and say thank you. We just use God for our selfish purposes. Remember, we're trying to get understanding here. Most of us want God to fix the problem. God wants to fix our heart and our relationship to him. It's not about getting a problem fixed. It's about getting our heart fixed. This guy hasn't said a word yet. We don't know what's going on with him. Jesus is dealing with him alone. We don't know what's going on in that private conversation. And in the same way you and I, we, we have these private conversations, the word of God penetrates our hearts in such a way that we wonder what's going on. Secondly, God doesn't do things by what we say. Have you ever prayed, God, here's the problem, and here are the three things that you need to do to fix it? Try that sometime and see how many times it gets answered. God is not limited to our solutions. God does things in the most mysterious, wonderful, awesome way. Because he's God and he knows what he's up to. So God is healing, Jesus is healing this man in stages. And a lot of times when you and I go through life, we've got to remember, Jesus will fix this problem in stages, one step at a time. When the children of Israel were taking over the promised land, they didn't get it all at once. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, little by little. So the wild dogs don't come around and consume you. Would you just take a little bit of growth today? Would you take a little bit of the problem being solved today? Or do you demand that it all be fixed today? See, when, when Jesus does the healing in our hearts and in our lives, he does it perfectly, but sometimes he does it in his time where we don't think he's moving fast enough. But what's happening here is, uh, notice what the text says. Let's go back to uh, uh, verse 24. He looked up and he, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Now, again, he sees partially, but he's not there yet. In many, in many spirit, situations of life, we'll see part of what God's up to, but not all of what God's up to. But, but I want you to, we're missing it. Have you, have you seen it? This was a blind man that was seen. <laughs> he couldn't see trees before, but now he sees trees walking around. He's got confused sight. You ever talk to a Christian that was confused in their understanding? Man, they'll be happy to give you answers, but they don't have a clue as to what they're talking about. They sound like, yeah, that's, that's a bunch of trees walking around. What does that mean? Who's ever seen trees walking around? But that's the way some people's spiritual life is. They make no sense. Trees walking around. I was in a hospital one time talking to a fella, and every time I was talking to the person on the bed, he was at the edge of the bed, he would correct me. You know, I didn't know the man from Adam. I'd, I'd sit there and I'd say something about Scripture, and oh, well, the Bible says this, and he'd correct me. He always had to have the last word. You ever, you ever hang around somebody that had to have the last word? Aren't they a joy to be around? Sometimes it's the guy you're looking at in the mirror, okay? Be careful. Or the gal looking at the mirror. But every time I'd say something, correction, correction. Always right, I was always wrong. But man, he didn't make any sense. It was terrible theology. But you see, when you don't have understanding, spiritual understanding, you've got to make up your own. Your opinions don't necessarily mean you're right. As do mine. Scripture is right. Jeff's not always right unless I'm lined up with Scripture. So what God's in the process of doing is he's changing our thinking from trees walking around to being able to see trees and God walking in our midst. 
But, but notice, don't miss the fact that the healing has started. The discernment has started. Yeah, I can't see completely, Lord, but I just see trees walking around. Listen, when you're having a conversation with somebody and they're talking like that, don't ignore them. God's working in their hearts. It's trees walking around. It doesn't make a bit of sense to you because you might be a little more advanced than that person. But praise God, you're not blind. Praise God, they're not blind anymore. The good thing is Jesus isn't done yet. You know, the apostle Paul was fervent for the Lord. The Lord he knew. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9 that he was going around doing great works for Judaism. And suddenly a light from heaven came and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul said, who, who are you, Lord? Here's a religious guy doing great works. The Bible says he was greatly trained educationally. And he says to himself, or to the voice he's hearing, who are you? <laughs> have you ever looked up to the heavens and said, who are you? I have. Said, Lord, I don't know you from Adam, but if you're real, you better show yourself to me. The, the apostle Paul at that time, Saul said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. He speaks to Ananias and said, this is the man who's going to suffer much for my name. Go pray for him so that he can see. Paul was temporarily blinded by the light. As he was prayed for, scales fell from his eyes and he was able to see. Religious, couldn't see. Touched by Jesus, can see. Whole new perspective. You see the whole world differently. You see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Some people see trees walking around, but Jesus isn't done yet. The healing's not over. He wants us to see completely. Let him do this in your heart. Let him touch you. Second thing I want you to see is it's kind of hidden in this text. Do you notice something? Jesus touched him twice. Twice. And that might not mean a whole lot, but it should mean a lot. It means God's not done yet with you. Just because it perhaps hasn't taken you as far as you want to go. It's just one touch from Jesus that can change your life. The compassion of Jesus to touch. To just touch is such a wonderful, beautiful thing. I was uh, reading, remember, remember the Jesus film from many years ago? Does anybody remember the Jesus film that came out from Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ? Our church, if I remember right, donated money to buy uh, sent money to Campus Crusade for Christ to go ahead and get the Jesus film translated in other languages so they could be sent all over the world. And it was just a massive witnessing tool that told the life of Jesus Christ all over the world. And, and they would take it and translate it from English to other languages so that people who didn't know anything about Jesus Christ could watch this movie and find out about him for the very first time. Missionaries were using this as a wonderful missionary tool. And if you've ever seen the movie, it is so powerful, so powerful. Well, a film went to a refugee camp in Mozambique on the southeast coast of Africa. Most of those people had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when they saw the scene where Jesus was arrested, where he was beaten, when he was led away and crucified, after doing all these wonderful good works and touching people and healing people, they couldn't understand why these bad things were happening to Jesus. They began to weep and wail. And many ran toward the movie screen. It was so bad the dust was rising up they had to turn off the the movie projector at the time that it was played. And for more than 30 people, the townspeople were on their knees weeping and confessing their sins because they were touched by Jesus through a film. 
the Bible says, or the story goes on that the counselors went to try to help him. And the counselors came under such conviction of sin. They were touched by Jesus. They began to weep before the Lord too. If you study the history of revivals, when the spirit of God moves and, and the, the, the truth of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, people get touched by Jesus. They just can't have a normal reaction. They just can't say, well, that was nice. No, there's a, a like the, the base of Mount Sinai. They come into the presence of God and they fall on their knees and they weep. They were touched by the Lord. Some of you perhaps have been touched in the past. It's been too long, hasn't it? A simple touch from Jesus can transform your life and help you to spiritually grow. So when you're having a conversation with the Lord, remember, he's trying to touch you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He doesn't think you're not worth saving. But he wants to transform you. He doesn't want you to stay where you're saying, man, there's a bunch of trees walking around. He wants to take you on farther. And how does he do that? Here's point number three. We, when we trust in Jesus, our eyes are open. When here, here's the spiritual path that we must take as Christians who've been saved by Jesus. We've got to learn to trust in Jesus. Now, here's, here's what we see in verse 26. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Again, this is another verse you just kind of skip over. But I want you to see something here. Jesus is trying to establish his lordship in this guy's life. He's saying, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Don't do this. Why is that important? Well, in other cases where Jesus had healed people, they didn't do this. They ran into town. They told everybody what Jesus did. And for that reason, Jesus wasn't able to go in, into some of the villages and bring help to people. Uh, what this guy was told to do is don't disobey me. Don't disobey my word. If you disobey my word, you may not understand my word, but if you disobey my word, it's not going to help. It's not about you. It's about me, Jesus said. So he says, don't go into the village. Trust me when I tell you, don't go into the village. You know, there are going to be times in your life where you're just not going to understand what Jesus is saying, what he's saying, and what Jesus is doing, what he's doing. Why a pandemic? doesn't make any sense to me at all. It does to him. But because I'm not God, I'm not going to go to him and say, Lord, you're really messing up here. Of course not. Confidence in the Lord comes when you take him at his word. He says to this guy something very simple. Okay, you're seeing good now. If you want to walk clearly, the way you walk clearly is do what I tell you. Just do, do what I say. And when you do what I say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways. He will make your paths straight. He'll make your paths straight. Turn your Bibles to Judges 16. I'm almost done. Judges 16. There's an interesting story here. Judges 16, I just want to show you a real short clip on Samson. Now, if there's ever a guy that was gift of the Lord, it was Samson. God was raising up a deliverer for his people. This guy had superhuman strength. He was the mixed martial artist of his day. I mean, he was wiping out folks. He could not be defeated, but he had a secret. The Lord said, Samson, the secret of your strength is my presence in your life. But you take a Nazarite vow, don't get your hair cut. Don't get your hair cut. And man, Samson was just doing incredible feats. We would look at him and we'd go, man, this guy is something else. But he had a problem. He had a problem with the ladies. Success for a guy tends to do that. And what you see happening in his life is a real dilemma. And he was losing the battle. 
The Bible tells us that he met a woman named Delilah. And Delilah was uh, interested in, in Samson in such a way that uh, she was trying to get information from him as to the secret of his strength. And though God told him, here's a simple command. Don't tell anybody. Don't go into the village. Don't tell anybody the secret of your strength. But she plotted, prodded, and she kept going after him, and she kept nagging him, and it got to the point he said, whatever, and he told her the secret. And by telling her the secret, the guards came in. She earned some money. The guards came in, and they, because he was weak, just arrested him. And I want you to kind of pick up the story in chapter 16, verse 21. Watch what happens. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They led him to grinding in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again if it had not been shaved. Because he disobeyed the word of God, it's a physical picture. His eyes were gouged out. He was in darkness. He was in prison. Why? Because he disobeyed the word of God. When you and I choose to disobey the word of God, we may get away with it for a while. But we're walking into darkness. I'm not saying we're, our eyes are going to physically get gouged out, but we will end up in some form of prison, either of our own making or one that God allows us to walk into. Because that's what happens when we disobey his word. If you want spiritual understanding in your life, it's okay to talk with the Lord and be touched by Jesus. But there comes a point in time when you've got to make a decision. From this day forward, I'm going to trust Jesus by doing what this book says and not doing what this book tells me not to do. As you've heard me say on several occasions, I'm going to do the do's and don't the don'ts. That's what the scripture tells us to do. And that way I'll have spiritual understanding. Probably the most famous song of all is Amazing Grace. Remember the song's words? I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. This should be the prayer of every one of us for our lives and for those around us. As we see all the terrible things that are happening in our country, Christians, we've got to pray for the blind to see. The blind to see. And it starts with who we look at in the mirror. Because darkness is only dispelled by the light. So today as we close this message, I want us to just say two simple prayers. God, I want spiritual understanding. Help me to see. And secondly, I want you to pray for somebody else who really needs to see. You, you probably know of somebody that's just lost. They need to be found. They're blind, but they need to see. So let's just, like these friends took this man to Jesus, let's take this blind person to Jesus and intercede for them in prayer. That's what God would have us do. Let's all bow our heads. Take your request to the Lord.